Welcome to the Church at Lake Mead, and this is our sermon podcast. Today is November 14th, and we are continuing our sermon series, Beside Still Waters, with part two, called The Midnight. Here is Pastor Mike Nay now. Good morning, church. Hey. So this is a more contemplative service, uh, and we're going to just care for some people on specific, uh, a couple specific topics. So if you're not working through some of the things that we'll talk about today, um, what I'm asking you to do is, scriptures say that we would weep with those who weep. And so if you would enter into some of the, uh, uh, maybe some of the things that your brothers and sisters are working through, knowing that also family members and friends are also working through some of the things that we're talking about today. Um, But we also want to rejoice with those who rejoice. Uh, And we had a big weekend this weekend with our academy. Our our ladies volleyball team went to state and uh, they played, yeah. And, And so... Yeah, and which is really in the house. Yeah, yeah. So well done, ladies. Uh, going to state, they took second. It's been ten years since you went to state. Is that true? Yes. Ten years, yeah. and so that's yeah. that is incredible. Uh, and then uh, our production this weekend, our our visual and performing arts uh, did a production this weekend. They have one more show this afternoon, and I uh, encourage you to be part of it. Uh, you can when you. Go to that link in front of you through the uh, QR code. You could uh, see how many tickets are left. I think there's just a couple seats left mm-hmm. for this evening. Uh, so yeah, they did a phenomenal it job. It's incredible. Well. Yeah. And Mike, I didn't mention this in the first service, but oh, yeah. you had a birthday Wednesday. I did have a you birthday. You did. Yeah, so yeah. if you guys haven't said happy birthday to Pastor Mike. <laughs> Thank just, you. Yes, Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Happy birthday. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Michelle and I, we've been friends uh, for Since an, I was 10, yeah, and you weren't 10, you were older. I, I think I was 13, <laughs> yeah, something like that. Uh, and it's been a joy. If you don't know Michelle, Michelle is the director of our wellness center. Uh, she's a marriage and family therapist, and I've asked her uh, to be a part of this conversation. I think it's really important. Uh, last week, we talked about fear, uh, specifically being afraid of the dark. And many of you are brave enough to raise your hand and say, yes, I am still afraid of the dark. Uh, so I want to ask that same question. If it's not the dark, what are you afraid of? Is there something that you're afraid of? I asked our, our staff that a couple of weeks ago. Um, and things like spiders and scorpions. Uh, I'm afraid of heights. I specifically cannot stand watching somebody else get close to an edge that I have to turn around. It just, it just, yeah. And then Ooh, like got... I said, then God gave you Tenor Nay who oh, lives life on the edge. He does. My it's son like is therapy. constantly, yeah. yeah, I can't go hiking with him. <laughs> uh, some of you are afraid of clowns. Like the, that was mentioned in our staff uh, devotion or creepy dolls. Uh, hmm. uh, yeah. And, um, and then all caps in a text, right? Like that's a fear, right? To receive all caps and you're wondering, what are they actually saying? Um, Dogs, some of you are afraid of dogs, some of you are afraid of people, um, and, and then some of you are afraid of becoming your parents. Yeah, you feel it? Yeah. So I want you to be brave. Let's face this fear of talking to somebody else. I want you to tell somebody nearer to you what you're afraid of. All right, be vulnerable. Like say, hey, I'm afraid of this. Go ahead and do that real quickly. Whether you know them or they are stranger, let's reveal our secrets of what we're afraid of. Michelle, what are you afraid of? Oh, I, it took me a second to like figure this out or to, I was even asking my kids, like, what is mommy afraid of? What does she hate? I, even though I love a good, like, you know, boat trip off of Hawaii snorkeling, 
I need to see what's below me. Yeah. <laughs> like I can't just, you know, jump in the water, lakes, not clear. Mm. That just freaks me out. I feel like Jaws part two is going to happen. So like I need to see, I need to have like a good visual of what's, you know, underneath me. Mm. So, but yeah, and I'm sorry for, for some of you guys just even talking about your fears and, you know, just gave you some anxiety, but um, we all have them, right? It, let's normalize that. We all have fears, we have anxiety. Some of them we know where our fears came from, right? Sometimes we don't know where our anxiety comes from. It just like pops, there it is, right? And so we're gonna talk a little bit about what we wanna do with anxiety, what we need to do with anxiety um, today, um, a little bit about the types of anxiety that's really out there. But a little bit of anxiety is good, right? Um, talking about Tenor, I remember when he was, you know, going to go up to Alaska and we, would, we had all these, like, they'd really warn you and they talk about bears, like it's a thing, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if we see a bear, like there's things that we should and shouldn't do, but there should be some anxiety that comes and rises up in our, our hearts, you know, our, we'll feel it in our gut, you know, that's to keep us safe, right? We see, you know, a coyote in our front yard, like we should get away from it, right? So there are some things that keep us safe. So a little bit of anxiety is good and it's needed. And just like anything else, if we're not careful, something that keeps us safe and is good and is okay, left unchecked, can become big and can be unsafe and it can be dangerous and it could be an issue. It's good to be angry about some things, right? But if left unchecked, it can become rage, right? It's good to disagree with people and to have healthy disagreement. But if left unchecked, can become contempt towards that person, right? It's good to feel sad. It's good to feel, it's good good to grieve. But if left unchecked, can become depression. So today we're going to talk about just the different types of anxiety and really how we treat ourselves as a whole, because we are, we're complicated beings, right? Mm. We really, really are. With, like I said, with our fears, sometimes we know where they come from. Sometimes we don't know where anxiety comes from. It just pops in there. So we, um, our, our minds oftentimes will, our hearts and souls will be like, yes, I'm going to have a good day. Anxiety is not going to bother me. And then this is like a meme that I love so much. (laughs) You're like, it's going to be a good day. And your brain's like, what? It's like you don't even care about anymore what happened when you were in third grade, right? Like, you know, your brain just doesn't want to give up some of the things that is really holding on to you, right? Like, no, no, no. Like, you need to care. Remember that? What happened? Mm -hmm. And so for, um, for just today's sermon just to put the cookies on the bottom shelf, what I wanna talk about is just two types of anxiety. We're gonna just really simplify it. Every one of us has situational anxiety. So that's just those things like we know, like when we are about to get on an airplane or my good friend jumped out of an airplane this weekend, right? There was no anxiety there. She was like all about it. Um, But we, there's just situations that we'll get ourselves in that we'll feel, like we'll have a visceral reaction, you know, and we'll feel it in our bodies. And then there is the, the chronic anxiety that might need more attention. It's the just really kind of ingrained in our memories, right? They are the phobias, the um, just the panic disorders, the, um, the things that really affect our life on a day-to-day basis. 
many people coming out of COVID have really developed some of that because it's just been so hard to get back into life and get back in the swing of things again. Um, I have situational anxiety. I um, hate water parks with a passion. I hate them, I hate them, I hate them. So if you got me Cowabunga Bay passes, like, you know, for the year, Mike, for Christmas, just take them back, okay? okay. Because nice. can't handle it. I don't are you even always, know. Are you constantly afraid of water parks or is it the idea of going to one? Um, it's being there. I oh, think yeah. they're gross and I don't want to have anything to do with them. <laughs> like, so <laughs> literally, I just, nice. oh, I can't, I can't handle it. So yeah, yeah um, Brad will take the girls and I will just, I literally have to stay away. So hate them so much. Anyway, so managing my anxiety for that, just stay away from them, okay? So we have situational anxieties. All of us have them. We can manage them. Um, with our general, like this chronic anxiety, we're gonna talk a little bit today about how to manage that as well. So tell us where we are um, in our yeah, series. Yeah, so we're part two of our series. And I, I liken this series as uh, the nighttime. So last week we talked about the three watches in the Hebrew text. Uh, the first watch is when the sun sets and up till about 10 o'clock at night. And the, in the Hebrew culture, the second watch is the midnight watch from 10 to about two. And what we wanna talk about today is that watch where it seems like the night will not end and I cannot find a light. It's where I want to set a timer to what I'm going through so that I can control when I'm finished when it's over, right? Where you're like, when are we done with this situation? When am I done with this emotion or feeling? When am I wor done working through this specific thing? And so what? that's the part we wanna get through today. And we're doing this through the study of Elijah in 1 Kings 19. So if you have your Bible, you can turn to 1 Kings 19. Uh, we cannot hit everything we'd love to talk about in this series. And so we're, we've offered you a number of resources. If you click, uh, take a picture of that, that link or that uh, QR code in front of you, it'll take you to like eight different resources, three of which I'll show up here on the screen. Um, these two are in our lobby. So if you'd like a copy of this, you can either purchase it or if you, if you, you don't have uh, funds with you today, you can take a copy. Fine and Quiet, Out of the Cave, uh, another one, I Declare War. This particular one, Fine and Quiet, will address what we're talking about today. And in, if you are not a big reader, but you know you need some tools to work through anxiety that just continues to hold on to you, I would encourage you to get this book and read chapter three. It gives some really good spiritual tools and uh, emotional tools, physical tools, psychological tools to work uh, through anxiety that happens on a regular basis. So let's jump into 1 Kings 19. We left off this prophet, had a really great experience, a great season with a huge fall. Somebody said the wrong thing. He felt threatened. He left everybody, went into solitude, into the wilderness. He goes before God. He says, I can't keep going. This is enough. We just take my life life. I've had enough, Lord. And then he falls asleep and God lets him sleep. And then God wakes him up and feeds him and lets him sleep again. Just this gentleness of our creator. And it's really important. You see it in here where he just says, I've had enough. I just need to rest. I can't keep going. Yeah. And I think it's important to note, I love, I just love the word of God and how many places anxiety is addressed. It's like to normalize, say like, yes, in this life, there's gonna be troubles, it's gonna be tough, there's gonna be anxieties, but we are, we're more than just spiritual beings, guys. There is a physical aspect to us. There are emotions that we feel. There are things that come up that we don't understand. Like it's, 
it's, we are holistic. We want to treat this holistically, just every bit of us. Um, it's an and. It's like we want to talk about this spiritually and use some other tools that will help our, mind, our minds and our hearts and our souls. Um, we've got to consider them together and not separate them out. So we're going to see this in Elijah's life. Anxiety needs to be addressed as a whole. Um, those thoughts, those fears, those reoccurring things that come up, those things that don't seem to die, all parts need to be working well. And that might even be you today. You might feel like, okay, of these different parts, this is a part of me that is not working well, that needs some attention. And so that might need that, you know, we're gonna talk about practices at the end and some different things to add into your life. But um, one of my um, just... Um, heroes in um, you know, the therapeutic world, Dr. Dan Amen. Um, many of you guys might have um, heard about the Daniel Plan. He co-authored that with um, Rick Warren and, and his wife. But um, he always talks about, he's like, you know what? If I could just get rid of the term, the phrase mental health and talk about brain health. Like we need to work on the health of our brains, which means guys that there is so much hope with how we are, because sometimes we need the extra vitamins and the minerals and the different things and the good foods to really heal our brains, to really help those new pieces of our brain that need you know, new pathways to think differently and to react differently. We are more than just spiritual. I love this verse and there's verses all throughout the word of God that just really proves this point about that we're you know, just um, more than just spiritual. A joyful heart is good medicine, Proverbs 17, verse 22 says, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. How do you feel after you have a good laugh, right? Like you're, I mean, the good kind of laughter where you're like your stomach hurts, right? And you're, you've just been laughing and you just feel amazing, right? We wanna feed that good part, right? And we wanna starve the things like that crushes our spirit, right? And dries up our bones. So let's look at, let's go back to our story. Let's look at Elijah, see where he's at. Um, we are going to see here that God is, of course, so kind. He's so kind with his response to Elijah. He's so patient. He knows how he's going to react. He's, he just walks alongside him and he points him in the right direction. So he, he's kind to care for him. But if you notice in this story too, he lets him rest. He feeds him. He makes sure that all of the parts of Elijah are fed and taken care of. So we're now at the place of Elijah waking up and being fed one more time. Yeah, so what God does now is he, he's, he rests while putting him into motion. There are times where we could be in rest and we keep resting and we are continually in bed and we keep eating the things we shouldn't be eating, right? Have you been there? Where you're like, I don't want to get up and your, your toddler's knocking at the door, right? That kind of experience. And there was a moment for that where he was resting. He needed to sleep and God cared for him. And now what God is going to do is he's going to 
allow him to rest while being in motion. Sometimes we're in motion and there is no rest for our soul. We're constantly doing things that don't allow our souls to get the rest it needs and allow the communion it needs with our creator. And we just, we're doing things, we're busy about things. And most of that is, is to avoid some things that the creator wants to do and work in our life. And so I could picture as Elijah's laying down and the angel of the Lord says, okay, hey, well, let's eat one more time. And now we're gonna go on this journey. And it's a long one. He goes out into the desert for 40 more days. And then he goes into a cave for a while. You'll see that in a moment. Knowing that it's just this picture of sometimes there are things that just take a while to work through. And I know a lot of us don't want to hear that because that's tough. Like you'll see Elijah struggles as he goes out into the desert, as he goes into this cave. We're going to look at a couple pieces of that. So he gets up. He drinks, he has enough food to get him on this 40 days and 40 nights. If you're familiar with scripture, that's, you'll see that take place a few times throughout scripture, that amount of time. He goes to Mount Sinai. If you're familiar, this is a familiar place with Moses, the mountain of God. And there he comes to a cave where he ends up spending the night. But he's in motion. Like he's starting to make these first steps towards healing. He was resting for a bit. And while he goes out into the wilderness, he spends some time alone. And this alone time isn't meant to be just isolation where he's not working on something and he's just retreating and hiding. He's actually going into solitude with a purpose where God and he are gonna commune about some things. So there's a difference between isolation and the spiritual practice of solitude. Solitude, it allows some transformation to take place in a person's soul. So as we look through this story and you can go back and read in 1 Kings 19, you'll see some spiritual practices that believers have practiced for thousands of years one of them is solitude and silence that leads to then some fasting and prayer. You'll see fasting. Americans don't even like hearing that word fasting. So there's that spiritual practice I'd consider that we should each consider prayer. And then he's going to go into reflection and confession towards the end of this passage today. And solitude, uh, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his incredible book called Life Together says this about solitude. Let him who cannot be alone beware of community. That's an interesting statement. If you cannot slow yourself down enough and be quiet and alone, there might be an issue there. Uh, that, and then he says, let him be him who is not in community, beware of being alone. Um, this is a great book I'd encourage you to read. So Elijah's at the cave now. He's alone, he's in, in solitude. And this transformative work begins because he's quiet enough to hear the voice of God say this. What are you doing here, Elijah? This isn't a condemning statement. I don't believe that. I believe it's actually where the spirit of God is working in Elijah's heart and mind. What's going on? Some of us are going 100 miles an hour and we don't know what's going on, but all of these things keep coming out like rage or contempt or impatience or anxiety and all of these different pieces. And, and this God is allowing like, slow down, Elijah. What's going on right now in you? What's happening? And God is a great listener. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we consider him just being silent, but actually what he's doing is listening, Yeah. right? And he asked these really important questions. Like in Psalm 139, the psalmist would say, search me, O God, I want you to know my heart. Test me and know these anxious thoughts. I want you to penetrate, like consider these things that I constantly am thinking. Or in my subconscious, I'm not even aware of, but I know that it's there. And this is how it keeps going. 
going, oh, yeah. Oh, this is yours, huh? Sorry. <laughs> Sorry yeah, go ahead. Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets, and I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. So here is what we have, what we like to call the truth decay. The truth starts to decay. The truth starts to break down. Elijah starts to believe the lie that what? He's all alone, right? Here I am feeling abandoned. Everybody's done their thing. And here I'm the only one left, right? And it's so easy, guys, when we're in the middle of our distress, when we're in the middle of our anxiety, when we're in the middle of our depression, our illness, what have you, that we feel like, I'm abandoned, I'm by myself, no one gets this. I'm, you know, here I am, you know, I'm left. And so I have seen too in the Christian community, and I'm sure you guys have have seen this too, is sometimes it's like, we don't really know what to do with our disappointment of God, because it's almost like, oh, it's kind of taboo to talk about that, right? Like, you know, God is wonderful, God is great, he's all knowing, he knows what he's doing, but yet I can't reconcile in my heart, like I feel really disappointed. And I feel really abandoned. And let me just tell you, church, God can handle all of that. He really can. He can handle the prayers of his kids saying, I don't get this. I don't get this at all. I feel abandoned. I feel hurt. I feel disappointed. He, he can handle it. So this truth decay is not just in Elijah's life. It's in my life. It's in your life. It's believing the lies that creep up when we are in certain situations, right? It's the lies that honestly, guys, on this side of heaven, we're just gonna probably have to manage it, right? I am all, I completely believe in amazing healings. I've seen them. I believe God can do anything, But I think a lot of times we get really disappointed in God when he doesn't just cure things, like cure this, cure this, cure this. When really, maybe what he is saying is on this side of heaven, there's a lot of things that we're gonna have to manage and it's gonna keep you right next to me. And I think that when we think about anxiety, and I talk to people about this a lot, let's start looking at it as maybe something that we need to manage, like we manage our diabetes, like we manage our money, like we manage our weight, like we manage our depression. There are some things, like if you've got diabetes in here, what are you constantly watching? Your intake of sugar, right? And your diet and, and you're managing because you know in an instant, you could be you know, flat on your back in the hospital. So with anxiety, if we can consider like, Okay, what is my intake that's causing anxiety? I might need to turn off the news. I might need to get rid of some social media or to, you know, put that on pause, which might cause anxiety, just saying that, right? (laughs) Um, It might mean I take a break from certain things because I'm not managing things well right now. Hmm. Guys, whatever we feed grows, right? That's so simple. I love saying that. Whatever we feed grows. If we feed joy, if we feed laughter, if we feed the good, that is going to grow. But 
it will grow. Other things will grow too if we feed it, right? If we feed our isolation and our feelings of like, I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to get out of room. I don't want to go to school. I don't want to go to work. I don't want to, you know, that's going to grow, right? So we, whatever we feed grows. Plants, dogs, anxiety, depression, <laughs> whatever we feed is going to grow. So God's response, let's go, let's look at and see what he does with Elijah, right? Elijah just said, I'm the only one, feel abandoned, nobody cares, here I am, right? And I love how God, he didn't step in right away and correct him yet. He just paused and, you know, just God was okay and it approves. Like God's okay with our disappointment. God's okay with that. He just lets him sit. But he, what he did was so loving. He just kept inviting him to go on this journey of knowing who he is. And guys, when we consider our anxiety and our spiritual selves, there may be room in our life. And when I say maybe, there is room in our life to take care of our spiritual selves, to go on this journey with him, to know the character of God, to help heal our mind, to help heal our souls. So 1 Kings 19, let's look at it, verse 11. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, God says. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. What Elijah did not need was another miraculous event. I mean, he got to see just a few months before fire come down from heaven. He got to see when it was a drought for years that God answered the prayer of rain. But what Elijah needed in this moment was a gentle whisper. Those of you who are not, have never experienced anxiety and depression. I just wanna give you a little tool. What those who, are, those who are working through those things don't need a loud voice saying, come on, get over it. Come on, get out of this. I know it, if you just have enough faith, you'll get out of this thing. Or, or just any kind of equivalent statement of let's move on. What God does in this is if you see, this is a timeline of several weeks or even longer. We're not certain how long he's spending time in this cave, but it is he and God working through something and God being gentle about it. There are many voices of God. If you look in Psalms, there are times where it sounds like many waters. There are times where it sounds like thunder. It's kind of like your parent, right? There are times where your mom had a different voice for a different situation. Some of you have that voice, right? And it wasn't the whisper like, you better get up right now. Like that kind, you know that quiet voice that has a lot of a power in it, right? This was a quiet voice of God just caring for him. And sometimes that's through his other children speaking to a hurting child where you need to have a gentle voice of God speaking into the life of somebody else. He does this, he cares for Elijah. He speaks quietly. It's like the good shepherd in Psalm 23. Last week we talked about the shepherd letting him lay down by, in green pastures, 
right? That, that calm, let's lay down, I'll take care of you. The next step is to lead him by quiet waters. He didn't, the good shepherd doesn't point and say, hey, it's over there somewhere. It's where he takes this, like his sheep and guides them towards quiet waters to restore their soul. And God spent some time with, with Yahweh spent some time with Elijah to restore him. And as Michelle says, he doesn't correct him. Not, not yet. It take, he will in just a moment. But he doesn't correct that lie that he's alone yet. That will happen in a moment. He just cares for him deeply and walks beside him uh, like still waters. He's a good shepherd. Goes on and says this. Elijah hears this. He wraps his face in the cloak. Notice he didn't wrap his face when all of that chaos was happening. He wraps his face in the cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. This was him humbling himself, recognizing that the presence of God is indeed here. Mm. See, his presence is always with you. It's whether or not you recognize it, right? And it takes a while. And I've been, I, I have suffered with severe depression in my life. And there are moments where I did not feel like God was near, but that didn't mean that it wasn't true, like that he was near. And at some point, Elijah finally recognizes the real presence of God and he hides his face humbly and says, I re- you are with me, you are near. And then he asks him one more time, what are you doing here, Elijah? Just a real caring, like, what's going on? Why are we here? What are you struggling through? Yeah. So as we wrap up, we're going to be talking about just what are the practical things and good reminders for, that we all need when it comes to anxiety and when it comes to that dark night. And so all of us have probably heard of this idea of compound interest, Right. It's this idea that we, you know, put in some money and we're able to see the return over a long term, right? But it happens over time. And so I love that God was patient with Elijah because he knew it wasn't going to be this quick fix, which really stinks because we really like quick fixes, right? (laughs) We might want, you know, a six pack by tomorrow, but there's not enough crunches on this, like like we could do for for the next 24 hours. It's going to give us a six pack by tomorrow, right? Like we want things and we want them to happen quickly, Hmm. but it's just, that's just not how it works. And so when we talk about this idea of managing our anxiety, guys, I want us to think about things that need to be added and it can't just be, yeah, I tried that, right? Um, I mean, you know, I could, if I got a, a dollar for every time I heard, like, yeah, I tried the whole therapy thing, you know, I tried the whole counseling thing, I tried the whole whatever, right? But it's, it's a little itty bitty choices over a long time that create a great marriage. It's the small little itty bitty choices over a long time frame that create a great relationship with your kids or a family member. We want quick and that's just not realistic. And so our, the rewiring of our brain that God so allows because he's a God of redemption, he says, yes, we can. We can create new things for your brain. Like your brain can be literally rewired. It's not too far damaged, right? I love that concept. A little bitty thing that has the consistency of egg whites, right? Like God allows us to see that happen in our own life, but it's not overnight, right? It's 
The rewiring is something that takes a while. It's the small itty bitty choices over time that will create great things in our lives. So this idea um, comes with, you know, some practices, right? And so we're gonna talk about those things. And I love in my world when I read a book that isn't written by a Christian and you read it and you're like, these are all biblical principles. This is amazing. Like God knew what he was talking about, right? And one of the things that really, really helps our anxiety, it's talked about, it's, it's huge, is gratitude, right? Like try to stay anxious and depressed when you just write the things you're thankful for. When you go on a walk and you just express to God what you're thankful for. Um, it's hard to do, right? Like gratitude, to be thankful and to really say that and to verbalize that is huge. Studies show that really the two most effective things that help with anxiety is our, the way we handle our thinking and our support. Like, okay, right? Renewing of our mind, God, right? Community, support. Like these are things God knows we need. We need community. We need people in our life that we can talk about these things, knowing that they're gonna be able to, to carry them with us. We need to be thankful creatures, right? We need to be thankful humans. We need to, um, to renew our minds every day and to say, you know what? That's a lie. I know it is. And we're gonna, we're gonna practice that in just a few minutes. One thing I just wanna say, just because it's the therapist in me, I, guys, there's so many times I encounter people that feel so much guilt and shame and ickiness surrounding taking medication for their anxiety or depression. And I just wanna say, stop. <laughs> like, stop feeling that way. Like, dump the guilt. It's, it's just, it's another lie from the enemy. Medication can be that very thing in your life that helps you get your head above water to actually start doing some of these things like being in community with people, being around people, starting a gratitude journal, rewiring your brain, doing, you know, um, going to therapy, whatever it is, right? But sometimes we need that little bit of a boost to help ourselves. So, be careful, don't let the, the enemy just come in there and make you feel like you're too broken, like that's for really sick people or whatever, there must be something wrong with you. It's just simply not true. So release yourself of, of any of those feelings, help, you know, if it's not you, if it's someone you know, like pass that along, it's free. So, um, but consider, consider what, you're, what you're putting inside you and what you might need. What, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's one of those things like with depression, they say like the best thing for depression is exercise, right? Well, I don't know about you, but when I was at my lowest point, like last thing I want to do was go exercise, right? Like, come on. And so, you know, who wants to, but that, that's helpful. There might need to be some like some medication or something to get your head above water to be able to go exercise, you know? So um, just, I just wanted to say that, throw that out there, but. Michelle, thank you for being with us to talk through this. I would say just to uh, have us practice a couple things today. There may be some spiritual practices you need to explore like solitude and silence. Some of us think we can master the gift of omnipresence where I can be on a device in a room with other people and doing, working on my computer all at one time. You don't have that ability. Only God is omnipresent. 
And maybe that's a contributor towards some of your anxiety. Some of you are addicted to contempt. The things we see on social media about the other people, right? Like you just are constantly wanting to read about why all the other people are bad and wrong. And that just feeds that contempt and that contempt feeds and breeds anxiety. And I think those are silence and solitude to help us get to some places where like, okay, I'm gonna steal this, quiet, this soul that's so anxious. So that's one thing. You'll hear us, we're talking about counselors, we're talking about a number of different things. For spiritually, there might be some time of prayer and fasting, might be some time of just reflection and confession. And that's what I wanna guide you in right now, the reflection and confession. In his book, Live No Lies, which I encourage you to read, he, he gives these three questions, a practice of working through some lies that are in your soul, in your mind, that are constantly at it. This is a question you can consider as we're gonna have a song sung over you in a minute. What's the thought or feeling or sensation that's consuming you? So for Elijah, I am all alone in this that was consuming him. And my life is being threatened by that truth. And then the follow-up question is this, what's the lie beneath that thought or feeling? So for Elijah, the lie was God is not near. He's not even close. And because of that, you're not being cared for or protected. And so that's the lie, underlying lie under I'm all alone. And so what do we do with those two things? Well, here's the follow-up question to that. But what's the truth? We have lost the ability to memorize scripture. We as believers need to be holding on to the truth so that when these lies are going on, that we could just battle them with truth. That's what Jesus did in the wilderness when the enemy tried to convince him all of these different things. He used scripture to, come to battle that. And so what is the truth? Well, the truth is, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will help you. I'll walk beside you. I'll hold your right, like with my right hand, I'm gonna hold your hand. That is the truth that you are not alone. So in the 1800s, there were many songs that were written during the time of slavery. And, and slaves would write out these truths about who Jesus is. To combat against the unknown ending to the oppression. They had no idea when slavery, when people would be emancipated. So they'd write these truths about Jesus to carry them through some of the most horrific, oppressive situations. And they would sing them together. Even if they didn't feel like it was truth, they had their brother or sister near them to sing it with them. This is the truth of my creator. So what I wanna do is you consider, I'm gonna leave these up here. I want you to consider what are the lies that are just consuming you and causing such anxiety. And as, as our worship team sings over you and sings these really powerful truths, I'm gonna have, if you, if you could, if you could stand and we're gonna have them sing over. And if you need prayer, we're gonna have some people who will pray up here on the left and right. If you just need to be at your seat and you can sit back down if you need to kneel, if you wanna just consider some of these questions as these words of truth are sung over you. Let's do this together. Let's, let's pray for others. If you're not battling anything right now, then I would ask you to pray for others as they just go before their God. So if you're willing to intercede on behalf of other people, would you come and be a part of this as, uh, as others might come forward and pray? All right, worship team, let's sing these truths out.